join together as a community, people all pursuing the same thing to know you more intimately. And we love you. We love the fact that you're meeting with us right now. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Um, welcome back. Um, we're so, so glad to just worship with you. And um, can we just thank our worship team? They do an incredible job every week. Can we thank them? And so uh, today we continue our series, Recalibrate. Um, and so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to be hanging out. The verses will be up on the screen. Um, and today what we want to do is we want to tackle, um, well, week one we tackled Recalibrate Your Marriage. Um, and then last week, um, my buddy Evan came in and he, he's a biblical counselor and he just did a great job in helping us think through how do we recalibrate our parenting and then this week, we're going to talk about how do we recalibrate our work. And so let me tell you, and just be honest with you, um, I tried really hard to find a clip from the office to play for you this morning, but just couldn't find anything that I felt was appropriate. So, um, but I enjoyed watching some office clips this week. So, um, but, uh, but I'm excited to, to, to talk about work today. Um, the reality is, is that every one of us works, okay? Whether you get paid or not. Uh, all of us work. Um, so, some of you um, are, uh, are, you know, whether you're a CEO, uh, whether you uh, pick up garbage, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, everybody works. Everybody works. And so, so what is the purpose of, of our work? Um, the, the reality is that over your lifetime, you are going to spend 100,000 hours working. 100,000 hours working. Um, uh, a few years ago, Malcolm Gladwell, an author, came out with a, uh, a book and, and a study a little bit, and he said, um, you become a master at your, um, what, whatever your craft is at 10,000 hours, okay? So at 10,000 hours, you become a master at your craft. And so, so what's your plan for the other 90,000 hours of work in your life once you've mastered it? What, what is that plan that you are going to have? And if we don't have a plan for how we are going to follow Jesus and make much of Jesus in the workplace, then I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we're in a dangerous, dangerous place, dangerous place. And so how can we have a God-centered view of our work? How can we have a God-centered view of our work? No, no matter what your work is, how can we have a God-centered view? And, and, and the reality is, I think, for many of us, that there is a major disconnect in our minds between work and following Jesus. That, that, that we don't see those two things as integrated and in the, in, in the same, uh, same thing, but, but, but rather we see our work over here, and then um, our, us following Jesus fits into this sphere over here. And those two things don't seem to integrate. There's a major disconnect in many of our minds when it comes to our work and actually following Jesus. But, but here's the thing. When Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus is isn't just um, our, our Savior, but he becomes Lord, which means that he is now integrated into every single part of our lives. That he's part of every single part of our lives. And so this is what we want to do today. I just want to hopefully help all of us in the room have a God-centered vision and view of our work. 
How do we have a God-centered view of our work, no matter what it is? And so, let's read our passage here in Ephesians chapter 6, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive in a little further. So, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 5, here's what it says. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. And if, you're, if you write in your Bible, you underline things, you highlight things, verse 7 is a great one to highlight. It says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember you have both the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, you care about our work, that, that, our, that our work is not something separate, uh, a separate compartment in our lives, um, but, 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 you, but you are actively involved and care about the work we do. So I thank you for that. I pray that over the next few minutes that, that as we think about our work, whatever role that looks like in our lives, no, no matter what our um, job is, whether, whether we stay at home with our kids, um, whether we are retired, whether we are a CEO, whatever our role is in work, I pray, Lord, that we would see it as a way to worship and honor you. And so I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would transform our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the first thing I need to address in this passage is uh, slavery, okay? Um, and I'm not gonna, we're not going to do a deep dive into slavery today. Um, maybe we'll do that in the future at some point, but, but I need to touch on that because, um, because this, it's, it's here, okay? Um, and so, so the first thing we just need to understand about slavery is you have to understand it in the context of when Paul is writing this letter. Um, slavery in, uh, in, in the first century was not slavery as we think of it today. Um, it had nothing to do with ethnicity or race. Had nothing to do with that. In fact, most slaves um, were, in, were in slavery because that's how they paid off their debts. Okay, It was a way to actually um, move up the, the move up the, the, the ladder in life, move up to um, for, from being poorest of poor to moving up in society and being able to make a way for yourself. And so, so slavery is not um, as we typically think of it in, when Paul is writing this. And, and, and I just need to say that in nowhere in Scripture, in nowhere in Scripture, does God say we should have slaves. Okay? I, I just, I feel like I got to say it. Um, and, and like I said, I'm not doing a deep dive, but I needed to address that before we get to this. But I think what there are some things here um, in this passage that, that help us understand our work as employees and as bosses. Um, there, there are some things here that, that, that can help us um, begin to have a God-centered vision of our work that can help us have a God-centered vision of our work. But, but before we... Um, but before we get into what I think God, uh, what, what I think work should look like, I want to talk about two traps, two dangers that we have to be aware of when it comes to our work. 
I want to talk about two traps and two dangerous, dangerous ways to view our work. And the first one is, is that we would view our work as meaningless. That we would view our work as a means to an end. We would view our work as futile. It's just sort of what I have to do to pay the bills. Um, uh, and this is, this is a dangerous way to view our work. Um, a recent Gallup study found that 80% of people 80% of people in America said that they were unhappy in their current job. 80% unhappy in their current job. And 57% of people said that they are doing the bare minimum amount of work to stay employed. The bare minimum amount to stay employed. Um, there, there's a new term out there right now called, and it, it, because um, Gen Z is... That they just don't like to be in your face about stuff, and so, um, and, and so they, it's this thing called quiet quitting. Okay, um, anybody heard of quiet quitting? Yeah, right. Like, it, it, and it's it's this idea that okay, hey, I'm not going to just resign. I, I, I'm just going to sort of uh, fly under the radar. I'm, I'm going to stay uh, under the surface of my work so I can get paid and I can do. Uh, afford to pay for my hobbies, I can afford to pay for the things that I like to do and pay the bills, but ultimately I don't really, I'm doing the bare minimum amount of work to stay employed. We see that, that people in our culture right now are incredibly discontented with their current work situation. And and I think that this is a subtle and dangerous trap that we can fall into when it comes to thinking about our work. When we view our work as simply a means to an end, we see it as meaningless and pointless, then we have failed to see God's purposes for us in our work. When we see our work as meaningless, we have failed to see God's purposes for us in our work. It's this idea that we can be active in our work, but we have concluded that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. That, that, that we believe that our value as a follower of Jesus, this is kind of the mindset we can have, that our value as a follower of Jesus is restricted to what happens at church or, or happens in my community group or, or happens when, when I'm serving other people or happens um, around the, the dinner table in my home, that, that me being a follower of Jesus is sort of restricted to those spaces but has very little or nothing to do with my work. Nothing to do with my work. It's just sort of a means to the end to pay the bills, to pay the bills. And when this thinking takes hold in our minds, the results are, are really devastating to our lives, to our good. Like, like Jesus says, he came to give us life and give it abundantly. And, and work is part of that abundant life. Like I just, I just want to tell you, like when we get to heaven, we're going to have jobs, Okay. Like, like, you're going to work in heaven. Uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not about leisure, leisure time in, around the pool in heaven. So, <clears throat> there, but, but, but when we have this, this view of our work as meaningless, there's a murmuring in our hearts and minds that, that our work, um, that, 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 that really steals our life of joy. It, it, it leads to complaining and discontentedness, laziness, passivity, um, people-pleasing, score-settling, corner-cutting, Monday-dreading gloom. These are the results of seeing work as meaningless. Like, 
Like we, we, always, like we hear it, right? Like, like, oh, Monday, right? Like Monday, I gotta go back to work. Like we, 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 we live in a culture, right? Like here in Colorado, like we, we work hard to play hard here, right? Like, like, like I, I'm gonna work really hard so I can fund my hobbies on the weekend. That's the mindset of, of, of where we live. Um, and, and so, and so, so here's here's some ways. You to, here's some things that you can just maybe, if you're viewing your work as meaningless, you see it as a means to an end, a place to serve your own needs. Um, you you if you're always frustrated with your work, you're you're always frustrated by it. You're always complaining about about your work to someone else. You're always um, griping about it. You when you. When you view your work as meaningless, you view your work as completely separated from your deepening relationship with Jesus. Our work here and now, though, our work here and now is an expression of our faith in Jesus. Everything we do is an act of worship. Everything we do is an act of worship, whether we are at work, home, Church, all of these, Aaron's the man, guys. Can we thank Aaron? Yeah. Aaron, only three people clapped for you. I'm sorry. He's only mildly appreciated here. It's okay. Okay, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, So... So here's go. But, but, but so no matter what our work is, here's, here's what we have to understand, we have to remember, okay? What, what, whatever our work is, God has put our work there, put us in that job for, with purpose and with meaning. Our work is not meaningless, but this is the trap a lot of us fall into. The, the other side of this, though, right, the, the second trap and the second dangerous way to view our work is, is work can become idolatry. right? We, we, we don't see it as meaningless and pointless, but, but it becomes all-consuming. Um, it becomes all-consuming. Like, like here, here's, here's um, work is idolatry, and so, so what's an idol? Here's, here's a way to view an idol. Uh, an idol is something that we look to to find our worth, value, meaning, and significance. It's the thing that you cherish above all others that gives you a sense of safety and security. An idol is anything we love more than we love Jesus. An idol is anything we love more than we love Jesus. And so no matter how good our motivation is, when our pursuit of enjoyment or influence or status in our work begins to become the ultimate source of our satisfaction, becomes the the ultimate, um, we are looking to find meaning into that. When when we... um, when, when we begin to pursue work with our whole heart and we say, okay, hey, it, it, when, when I get to this place in my work, when, when I have gotten this promotion, when I have gotten this raise, then I will be satisfied. Then I will have meaning. Then I will be full of joy. Then I will be secure. Then my family will be provided for. And all of these things, and in those ways, when we begin to pursue our work, it becomes an idol in our life in which we think our work can satisfy Satisfy us, and I just want to tell you that it will not. There will always be another rung on that corporate ladder to climb. There will always be more money to be had. 
There is never enough. And we drift into work as idolatry. There was an article in The Atlantic a few years ago, um, and, and, and it's called Workism is Making Americans Miserable. Workism is Making Americans Miserable. And, and here's, here, here's, a, here's a quote from that article. It says, the, the decline of traditional faith in America has coincided with an explosion of new atheisms. Some people worship beauty, some worship political identities, and others worship their children. But everybody worships something. And work is one of the most potent new religions competing for our congregants, for congregants. That, that, that this is just an article that, 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 that's in the Atlantic. You can go read it um, if you have a subscription to the Atlantic. Um, and, and so uh, this is a secular viewpoint of work as idolatry, that, that, that work is actually killing us. That work is actually killing us. There's, a, there's another quote by, by a lady named Mary Bell, and this is what she said. She says, achievement is the alcohol of our time. These days, the best people don't abuse alcohol, they abuse their lives. An achievement addict is no different from any other kind of addict. When our joy and satisfaction in our life becomes centered on the pursuit of more, our lives become centered on what we can accomplish, on, on filling our lives with more stuff, on... Uh, Work becomes our idol. And let me just tell you, it's like the author in Ecclesiastes say, it's like chasing the wind. You can run and run and run, and you're never going to catch it. You're never going to do it. It's like, it's like going fishing with six, deep sea fishing, six inches of dental floss. You're not going to catch much. This is what work as idolatry begins to look like. And so if our work, if we're not to view our work as meaningless and we're not to uh, view our work as uh, something that can satisfy us and fulfill us, it's, it's not meant to be this idol in our hearts and our lives, then how should we view work according to Scripture? Is there another way to approach it? Yes, is the answer. You, and so, and so here, here's, how we, here's how I believe that we need to view our work. We need to view our work as worship. We must learn to view our work as worship. That, that, that from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of creation, that God has designed us and placed it in our hearts to work. Like this is not, this is not a result of sin coming into the world, but this is a, a Part of how God designed and created the world to begin with. Work is a good thing in its rightful place. Work is a good thing in its rightful place. You can go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And it says that the Lord placed man in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. This is, this is before sin even came into the world. That, that God placed man and woman into the garden of Eden to work it. That they could work. But work is not a bad thing. Work is a blessing from the Lord. And we have to understand and we have to see that God's intention for us in our work is that through our work, it would roll up into worship of him. 
Work is a blessing. It's a gift from God. All of us, every human has been created in the image of God. We've been created, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, in his image. We created the male and female. That we have been shaped and molded into the image of God. And how does God portray himself throughout Scripture? Well, God portrays himself as creator, right? Um, it says on the seventh day that he sat down to rest from his work, right? Um, we, we see God as a gardener. We see God as a shepherd. We see God as an artist. We see God as a, 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 as a poet. Um, we, we see God um, filling all of these different types of work throughout Scripture. That God is a God of work. He's for work, and we've been created in his image to work. It's a blessing to be able to work. It's a blessing to be able to work. And so we must begin to see work as worship. We have to stop um, making this disconnect in our mind that, that, that our work life is over here and then here's me following Jesus over here. But, but rather, following Jesus has to be integrated into every our area of our lives, including our work. We see our work as worship. We recalibrate it. We recalibrate our work, seeing it as a blessing, as a blessing to us, and a blessing through us. That, that, that our work is a blessing to us, and our work is a blessing through us. Our blessing is a blessing through us. We understand that according to Ephesians chapter 6, right? Let's, let's look at this a, cl- a little bit closer. It says, it says we, that we serve, we serve as we would serve Christ. That, that we... Uh, that we don't just work hard when our boss is watching us. I remember all the time as a kid, right? Like, I, I would have, um, my, my parents would give me a task, and I would work really hard as long as they were in the room watching me do that task, but the second they walked out of the room, it was like, okay, they're not here. What, what, what can I get into? What can I not do? Uh, where can I stuff these toys so, so that they don't see, like, I'm just like, like, my kids are just like me when it comes to cleaning. I'm just going to be honest. I, I hate cleaning. Kayla's great, tidy, organized. Me, I'm just like, just put it somewhere. Um, and so, so, like, that was me as a kid. Like, my closet, if you opened my closet door, stuff would just fall out because that's where I, when I clean, I'm just, just shove it in the closet. Um, that's my kids the same way. Um, but, but let me tell you, my parents, when they would find that, they would be so frustrated with me, right? Um, because that's not um, the right way to do it. That's not the right way to do it. They wanted me to put stuff where it actually belonged, not just shove everything in my closet, but they weren't watching close enough, so I just did what I wanted to do. Um, but, but verse 7, though, I think is huge. It says work with, work with be groaning, right? Work with, um, work with anger, work with frustration, work with um, complaining. Is that what it is? No, it says work with enthusiasm. Well, what allows us to work with enthusiasm? We work with enthusiasm as if we were working for the Lord, not for whoever our boss is. You may have the most miserable boss on the planet to have. But you can recalibrate your work. You can see your work as a blessing when you understand that ultimately you don't work for that person. You work for Christ. 
that it changes the way we view and approach our work, that ultimately I am working as a way to worship and honor the Lord out of love for Jesus, that for whatever reason he has placed me in this job at this time, and it's a blessing. When I was in college, um, I, 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 I had to pay for my college, and I, I had to work, and, and so my freshman year, I get to college, and my first job, I worked at a golf course, um, mostly because I wanted to golf for free, um, and and I'm still really bad at golf, but um, but 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 we would. Uh, never mind. I won't. So uh, I worked at a golf course, but then from there I won't. Yeah, I'll just leave it. But um, but then we went to. Uh, but my, my sophomore year, though, I got I got the best job I ever had besides this one. Um, <laughs> uh, but but for real, I loved this job. I worked at J.C. Penney, selling shoes. Um, I had a name tag. Said Marcus Mackey, shoe fit specialist, um, which required about a 30 minute online training to get. So if you want to be a shoe fit specialist, you can go online and get that. Um, but but I, I loved that job um, because, because, because ultimately there was a lot of free time in that job. Uh, JCPenney wasn't the most hopping shoe place on the planet um, unless, I'm sorry, unless you were older. Um, it just wasn't the, 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 the hopping place, but, but I loved that job. And so I had a lot of free time where I just got to walk around and just talk to people. And, and the only hard part was helping people put shoes on because people's feet are gross. Like if you, side note, guys, I'm all over the place today. I'm sorry. Um, but side note, if you ever go to a shoe store and you let them put those shoes on your feet, make sure your socks are clean and you've washed your feet. Side note, I'll leave that with you. Man, I apologize. We should probably pray. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, oh man, sorry. <laughs> work, uh, so we, we need to work as if we were working for, I had a really good point with that, I don't know where it went. Um, but, but we need to work as if we were working for the Lord. We need to remember, that's how, that's how our work begins to be recalibrated. That's how our work begins to be transformed. Because ultimately, it's not about um, impressing my boss. It's not about necessarily climbing the corporate ladder. It's not about getting that promotion. It's not about um, making more money, getting that raise. Even though those things can come alongside that, and those things can be a blessing from working hard. But ultimately, we work hard because ultimately we are working for the Lord. That, that, that he is the one we seek to honor. He is the one we seek to make much of. And when we work that way, our work becomes a blessing to us, but our work also becomes a blessing through us. Like, like I think that there is always this, um, th th this to us and through us um, idea in the Bible. Like, like you see in Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham is being blessed by God, hey, I'm going to give you this blessing, but you're going to be a, I'm going to bless you so that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. That there's always this blessing to us so that we can be a blessing through us. And when we work as worship, we begin to see the God-centered vision for our work as a way to bless the world around us as a way to honor the world around us. If you don't believe this, then, then, then you just, just think for a moment that a time you've had terrible customer service. It, 
could be at Starbucks, could, could be wherever, wherever you go, a time you've had terrible customer service, how terrible that can ruin your day, how quickly it, it can make you frustrated and angry and mad and how, how hard that could be. And yet when you've had great customer service, how much of a blessing is that to you in your life? How encouraging is that to you? When, when, when you meet kind, kind, loving people, whether they're followers, like that is a blessing. And when we see our work as worship as a way to serve others, as a way to pour ourselves out for the good of others, so other people might flourish, so other people might experience the abundant life that Jesus talked about, that, 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 that when we begin to see work as worship, this is what our work becomes, a way to bless the people around us. Martin Luther King Jr., he was talking to a group of um, school-age kids, and, and when he was doing that, you know, just because of racism during this day, uh, he was unable, um, th- there was just a lot of jobs uh, unavailable to um, African-American kids in that day, and that's not so much the case now, but, but, but that was the case back then. And so this is what he said to, to, to these kids, and I think it's just a, a, a way to view our work that is so helpful. It's work is worship. And this is what he says. He, says, he said, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metropolitan Opera. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lives a great street sweeper who swept his job well. I think that that's that's a God-centered view of work. That no matter what your job is, no matter who your boss is, no matter who your employees are, when you see your work as a way to worship the Lord, as a way to honor him, as a way to serve and bless others, and you don't see it as all about you. It's not all about you. But when you view your work all about you, you you, you drift towards idolatry. You drift towards seeing work as meaningless. We need to be reminded and understand that no matter what our job is, no matter what your current work situation is, that God has placed you here in the foothills of Colorado in 2024 with specific purpose and reason and in your workplace with specific purpose and reason. That you have been uniquely placed, uniquely wired according to the Bible for the days and that, that God has made for you. Like he has wired you for your current, he has wired you and placed you where you are for reason and purpose and meaning. And he has given us the good works that he has given us to do in advance. Is what We read that earlier in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, in advance that we should walk in them, that we should be present in the here and the now. You see, when we see our work as worship, it leads to the flourishing of our communities. It leads to the flourishing of our communities. And we want to be about the flourishing of our communities. We want to see our communities transformed. We want to see our communities uh, be, uh, be incredible, to be the best they can possibly be. We want to see them flourish. Jeremiah says it this way in 29. He says, Work for the peace and prosperity of the city. 
where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city. Do good where you live. Work and play all for the glory of God. That we seek the welfare of our communities. We seek the welfare uh, 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 of where God has placed us. We seek the welfare of our workplace so that the, so that the people there can flourish. They can experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. We want to seek that. And so, so what does this look like in your life? What does it look like for you to have a God-centered view of your work? What does it look like for, for you to see your workplace as a way to worship Jesus? To see your work as a place to make much of him and honor him and love him and, and show other people how good he is? Like, I just want to tell you that like, like if you want to be different, if you want to do this, here, here, here's just an idea. This week, whenever you're with your coworkers and they're complaining about your boss, what would it look like for you to not join in with that? What would it look like for, 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 you, to, for you to actually speak well of your boss? To say, hey, I understand that, but you, you don't understand this is what he's going through, and, and to, to be kind about your boss. Well, what does it look like this week if you're a boss to, to actually love your employees really well? To be gracious and kind when they make a mistake. To be patient with them. To demonstrate the grace that has been afforded to you through the cross of Jesus, and you can demonstrate that to your, those you work with this week. What does it look like for you this week to love where God has placed you. And I'm not saying God can't pull you out of there at some point in time, because I think he can. I think he does. But God has put you there for a reason. And we should work as if we were working for the Lord rather than people. What does it look like for us to serve first this week? To sacrifice your good for the good of those you work with? And so, is there a disconnect in your mind between your work and your discipleship? How could God be using your workplace to help shape you and mold you more and more into his image? The, the, the challenges of your workplace, the, 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 the frustrations of your workplace, how could he be using that for your good and his glory? How could he be using your workplace to advance the gospel, to advance the, 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 the good news of Jesus to those who don't yet know? How is your view of, of God in the workplace? Do you see it as worship? Do you see it as a way to honor the Lord? Or do you see it as meaningless? Or do you see it as idolatry? If you bow your heads and close your eyes today. Here's, here's what I know. I know, I know that this is a, a different kind of message and it's, it's a different kind of thing here, but, but I think it's so vital that we understand and we see our work as worship. That we see all of life as part of our discipleship process and becoming more and more like Jesus. That if we have this disconnect in our heart and in our minds, 
then our discipleship, our becoming more like Jesus, is going to be stunted. It's, the, the growth is going to be short-circuited. We've got to recalibrate our work around the person of Jesus as a way to honor him and make much of him so that we can be blessed and we can be a blessing to others. And so if you're in the room today, here, here's, here's what would be my challenge. I, th- I think for some of you, you, you you've, maybe, maybe you've drifted from seeing work as worship and, and you see, you've seen it as meaningless or pointless, it's disconnected from your spiritual life. You see it, um, it's become this place of uh, you're trying to find satisfaction. Here's my encouragement to you. Confess that to Jesus. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. You can just confess that and say, God, I'm sorry. Change the way I view my work. Change the way I think about my work. I need you. So if that's you today, I just want to just give you a moment just to spend some time there praying. And then after you're done, my challenge for you this week what does it look like for you to go home and begin to write down the ways that you can be a blessing to others at your work this week? Where you can be a source of encouragement. You can be a source of life. If you're at home with your kids and that's your job, how, how, does, how does it look like for you to be patient with those terrorists of coworkers you have as kids? What's it look like for you to point them to Jesus this week? Jesus, we thank you for the blessing of work. We thank you that you have gifted that to us. And I'm thankful that that we can find find you in our work, that you care about our work. I'm thankful, Lord, that that, that our, our hearts and our affections and our love for you can actually grow and increase as we work. That it's not this part of our lives we have to shove in the corner and it's not this part of our lives that has to be all encompassing but ultimately we are followers of you first and as we follow you Jesus I pray that you would help us to reorient our view of work it wouldn't just be this thing we do but it would be a way that we make much of you Jesus help us this year to be the best year of work we've ever had. To be the best view, the the, the best year, the best experience at work we've ever had, not because our situation has changed, but because we have you at the center of it. Help us to have a vision for our work that draws us deeper into relationship with you. Jesus, we 